Hey guys, Walter Fetchick here to tell you that Unicorn.com may be the world's premier esports betting site, but they're also your best bet for keeping up with all the esports you love. With their site's newest update, they've reinvented their Live Now system and created a TV guide style layout to find out when your favorite teams will be playing next. And if that isn't simple enough, they've even added a search bar to help filter it down even further. And you know, even if you aren't a gambling fan, Unicorn's newest update is a must-have for any esports fan. And you might even discover your favorite new writer in their news section. We've got my man Drowling with some excellent CSGO content, and you can find some fantastic articles from my lovely co-host, Chase Wassner, as well. So check out the new layout at Unicorn.com, because there are a few places where you can stay up to date on all your favorite esports, and Unicorn can help. Unicorn.com. Welcome to the new e-sportsbook. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar, and welcome to the 2017 NALCS Semi-Finals Guest Alliance podcast. That is right. Semi-Finals. I, Walter, they don't know what you mean by that yet. That's We're going to get into this. There is a team here that Walter is very excited to talk about. And there's a team that Walter is very excited to talk about for an entirely different reason. But it is worth there's noting... three teams I'm very excited to talk about for entirely different reasons. Yeah. Last week was a fun series of quarterfinals. I, I think we got a lot of close matchups. I thought both series had some really fun moments. I think regardless of what team you were a fan of, but we know well, what team you're a fan of. My good friend and co-host, Walter C. Eddie Spetschuk. It's Walter, not like I'm wearing the shirt or anything. Yeah, of course not. I basically sleep in this thing nowadays. It's the only thing I wear if I'm not at work. Not, not, not really. I wear a, a bunch of different t-shirts. You know what's great for video content? Black on black. <laughs> Love it. It's a great, it's a great tool towards making sure that you look like you're a floating head with some TSM ghost spirits kind of just writing their, their lettering across your body. What, what look, man. Say? There, there's a joke in my family that that's the only color that we know how to wear is black. Because if you look at like any formal event, we're going out for like my parents' anniversary or somebody's birthday. Like nine out of ten times, we're all wearing gray or black. It just is. It's just what Fed Chuck's wear. It's weird, but that's just kind of our thing. We're always dressed to go to a funeral, apparently. Look, I'm, I call myself the Red Shirt King, and as a couple of our viewers have pointed out, I have never worn a red shirt on this podcast. I don't think you have. I technically wore one that's like like a burgundy, but we're, we're getting into semantics, and we're missing out on the teams that we need to talk about. To we are here for a funeral podcast. today, actually, though. Yeah. I, I, I hate to say it, but uh, I, I don't know if anybody watched the end of the, the Europe episode, but hi, Cloud9 fans. Yeah, let's just go are, for it. Are, let's. Are you ready? We don't need to pretend like there's anything uh, else that's we're we're hiding behind. Cloud Nine did indeed lose to Dignitas this week. Uh, if you read my article uh, from Unicorn on that, you saw you would have known that that was something I thought was very much a possibility. Something that I think we could see coming, and just how Dignitas was coming together, and how Cloud Nine was seemingly moving in the other direction. Walter, before you get into the gloating part of this, that's fine. Were you expecting this? Was this where you thought this series was going to go, or, or what surprised you here? I, I, I definitely thought it was going to be a close series. I thought it was going to be a strong, hard-fought series. I thought that the, 
sort of cohesiveness and I guess veteran experience out of Cloud9 would win out. And I thought that at the end of the day, they had the better playmaker on their roster. And if there was ever a time, like we can we can go back to the summer finals and we can talk about Jensen missing the R on the Echo. And, and that's what loses in that series and what loses on the finals. We can go back to that. This was and I a, will for the record. Go I ahead. Will go back. Go to ahead. That. It has no bearing on what happened this week. But this was the ultimate. Statistically, Jensen put up fantastic numbers. He looked great. Yeah. But he disappeared. There was not a signature Jensen moment, I think, in any game in that series. I don't think there was a signature Cloud9 moment. I don't think anyone on Cloud9 showed up. They just sort of existed. And I. And, and maybe I'm just forgetting, kind of forgetting game two and how exactly game two went, but like it just, it, it felt like just like five random people showed up wearing Cloud9 jerseys and they played four games and that was the end of it. It didn't feel like Cloud9. It didn't, it looked like them. Um, it sounded like them. They had all the names and like, you know, all the cheering and there was all the, the fans, you know, cheering for Cloud9 and all that jazz. But uh, I don't think they got off the bus. Like I'm pretty sure Jensen was at home taking a nap the entire series. Like I'm, 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 I'm flabbergasted because I want to be very cocky and arrogant. I'm so and I, I like yeah, stick it to Jack. Cloud Nine is awful. They didn't make it out of the quarterfinals. This is great. I feel so vindicated because this literally proves every point that I've been trying to make over the past like year and a half about Cloud Nine, and like it's just one occurrence. Like yeah, Walter, you're forgetting they were in the finals and were literally one R press away from winning a championship last spring. Yeah, but this entire moment, this series right here, proves everything. I've been saying for about a year and a half about some of these players and um it's like i i i, I i'm kind of cocky about it i'm kind of smug about it i'm kind of like all right cloud nine fans here you know here it is all the trash i've taken from you here is it coming back uh i know karma is going to get the better of me and tsm is going to get oh three and uh you know that's reality but at like the same time like it was a massive disappointment because let's think about like skt versus uh versus like rocks at worlds they lose to the, in, two years ago. They lost in the finals against each other, and then you had the semifinals matchup against them, and it was still a really good match. And Chase and I were there in New York for it. It was awesome to watch. Yeah. Like that was what I was expecting. I don't know if any of you are wrestling fans. You watch New Japan Pro Wrestling. Okada versus Omega is like that. Like the first match was really good. The second match was even better. Like that was what I was hoping for out of the semifinal. But I I think all the like subtext all the plot lines everything has kind of been set for this just cloud nine disappointment and the the final kicker was just jensen didn't show up he didn't do the jensen plays and when your team is pretty much down to jensen's our only guy that can really pop off outside of statistics and can actually make some plays and can actually win a game and our entire strategy is around him winning the game for us and when he just doesn't and I don't know if it's anything that Dignitas did, like, special to shut him down or to, like, hold him down. It's not like Keen was doing weird counterpicks or anything like that. It was just Dignitas had a better team, a better cohesive five-man unit, and Cloud9 didn't, and their star didn't show up. So it's, it's kind of, it's, it was like milk toast. It was, it was, it, it's sad, but I'm kind of smug about it at the same time. Yeah, I, I will say... I, first of all, I'm not letting you get away with that reverse jinx you tried to pull on TSM. Like, oh, we're going to lose I don't know 03. what you're talking about. How dare you? I, I, see, I see through you 
Walter Fedchuk. I don't know what you're talking about at all. I'm not, no, yeah. no idea. No idea no one at all. Is, no one is falling for that. But I will say, we'll I think that Jensen did what he could in a lot of cases. I don't think that this was like Jensen didn't show up. Like he was like this just non-factor. You look at, you know, game two, he has that great engage around the 33-minute mark, you know, brings it back, at least keeps them alive as they fight off what, what was going to be uh, just this push directly into their base. Their game one had the exact same thing where they need this, like, miracle stop, and Jensen was the guy who was leading that with the Cassiopeia. Um, I thought his game three illusion was great. Yeah, that was, that was game but three. That was what I was thinking about. The, the problem is... Why are they in a point like all of Jensen's great plays came with like, man, we're super behind and we need Jensen to step up. And he did. But why are they so far behind in the first place? And to me, that has less to do with Jensen and more to do with all of the other problems that we've had with Cloud9 over the split. Neither of us thought that Sneaky was this awesome 80 carry. We've seen people in the comments. We've seen people on social media. You see people, analysts, you look at the votes that Sneaky got on the All Pro Awards. There are a lot of people who believe that Sneaky is this guy that should be commended for all of these great moments. And, like, Sneaky had, you know, he had an all right he, game in game hit, three. He's hit the last year of Dwayne Wade in Miami, like, level of his career, where he's still there because he's, like, the, the, the veteran that's always been there. But the stats aren't backing up his, his contract that he's, he has. It's not backing up the nostalgia factor for him anymore. He can he can do it. He can get to that old sneaky level like once a series maybe. Dwayne Wade. Like, he, he can hit that point. It does happen. But like this is something that I think people miss sometimes is that for a player to be washed up or not not you know kind of there are varying degrees right. He's not washed up. He's not can't do anything right. But he isn't the guy that he once was. He can be that guy. He'll have moments where he's that guy. But he can't do it game in and game out. And Part of the reason that Cloud9 had such big problems in this series is Alltech crushed him in lane. The three games that, that Dignitas won, Alltech was winning those laning matchups. And that's a huge problem because we knew the top lane of Cloud9 had problems. We knew that Impact was going to really struggle against someday. And we knew that Cloud9 just had no trust in Ray. And if you want to look at where Cloud9 is going next year, the fact that Ray did not play a single game this series tells you everything you need to know about whether he hasn't he's played back. a single game since what week six. It's, <laughs> I think they're done. I think Cloud Nine has seen everything they need to see. Contracts, I think, did well enough. I don't think that he, you know, blew me away. I don't think he did poorly. Can you build a team around that contracts Jensen combo? Is that? a building block that they can look at, throw in Smoothie, who has at least had some great games every now and then. It, are they a couple pieces away, or is this a systemic problem? Is this a, as long as Cloud9 keeps to this play style, it's, there are limits? It, it's it's twofold here. It's twofold. One, I think contracts and Smoothie are great supplemental pieces. Totally think, I like think contract is fine. I don't think that series was much on him, uh, as it was, like, Shrimp just is a new new god and makes me happy in more ways than i don't think man can comprehend and even though the nocturne didn't work out and even though caldo who's an analyst for them said no no we meant to pick nocturne and maybe it was supposed to be a nocturne maybe it was supposed to be a new new and it was just a misclick 
Um, like he was fun. I, I don't think this the series is contract's fault. Um, I think he's a good role player. The problem is Cloud Nine needs a second carry. They need a star to pair up with Jensen's Russell Westbrook. Jensen can't do it all himself, and this has to be the moment for Jensen, where not only does Cloud Nine look at it and go, "Okay, like Jensen can't do it all," he has to look at it and go, "How did Bjergsen get better?" Because statistically, he's better than Bjergsen. He puts up better laning stats, but at the end of the day, Bjergsen's the more successful laner. So what, what is Bjergsen doing differently than me? What is Faker doing differently, differently than me? What are all these successful mid laners that I might be as talented at and maybe a little bit more talented than? What are they all doing and they're being successful and I'm not being successful? This is where he has to go into the, into the metaphorical gym and he has to look at himself and he has to start reinventing himself because... He's proven over the course of his career that he cannot solo carry a team to a championship. When you think of Cloud9 when they won championships with Jensen, it's because the team around him has been so good. It's because he hasn't been their only carry. He's had impact. Uh, I think back to last summer right at the end when they made that run into the playoffs and get into the finals. That was impact just going off on NAR and all of a sudden being the strong carry present. We do have these moments where Sneaky does pop off and you have a, a, a reminder of the Sneaky of old. Like he has to go into the gym and Cloud9 have to go back to the drawing board as they construct this roster for, for spring because I think if they get to Worlds, they're getting to Worlds as a three seed and they have to play in the play-in and like maybe by being a you know power region team, they make it through, but like this doesn't look like a team that's going to do anything at Worlds. At least not to me, unless there's some major... I don't think... You, I, I'm not I'm ready saying... to give them the gauntlet. Like, I'm... I'm, no, I, 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 I'm just saying, I'm saying is... if they get through the gauntlet and they get to Worlds, like, I, I'm, I'm not saying they're a shoe in to get to, to get to Worlds. I'm saying if they get there, like, there's nothing that they've shown this season that makes me think they'd be, like, a sneaky, like, yeah, they'll sneak their way into the playoffs. Like, no, they're going to get... You know, they might be, if they're in a, in a group with a... a wildcard team they might beat that team and they're probably gonna get their butts handed them by everybody else like this is this is twofold it's it's they need to get another playmaker but they also need to reinvent themselves and pull away from this jensen is our super carry jensen's the star jensen's going to do everything and start talking about how do we either make the player how does he make the players around him better how do we get better players around him did he da 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 so i think it's twofold in that regard yeah i i think that you hit it on the head when you talk about just the how much they need that second carry. I think that is the biggest thing that they're missing. And to some extent, I don't know if it's you know you know the chicken or the egg here. Whether it's you know they don't have the second carry carry because they don't they're so busy focusing on Jensen, or that they're focusing on Jensen because they know they don't have that second carry. That's fair. I'm not sure what the answer is, but if you look at Jen, Jensen right now. If he's asking that question, like, what does Bergson have that I don't have? Uh, it's TSM scouting department. Like, TSM grabs Hauntzer for Bjergsen, and life got so much easier. They grab Biofrost, life gets easier. They grab Double Lift. Like, they keep grabbing these pieces one at a time that makes Bjergsen's life so much easier. Whereas you look at how long has Sneaky been on this team? How long is, like, Impact now, like, he's like he's been showing that kind of wear and tear, but they didn't go get a guy like Hauntzer once those signs came in. They got Ray, and we got to give him credit for at least trying in that regard, but unfortunately it didn't work. And so now you're at this point where, well, you have to replace Impact. I think you have to. I don't think you can go into 2018 with the top lane in the state that it's in. No. And 
as now Sneaky might be a great supplementary piece for another team, but it really feels like Cloud9 needs a secondary carry, and the 80 carry position is the easiest place to get it. So what do you do then? I, I think that this is an organization that has some tough questions to answer, and I hope that nothing in the gauntlet, whether they do well or whether they do poorly, stops them from answering those questions. Because if Cloud9 is going to get to their old glory point, the team that you and I know they can be, a rival that TSM respects and that has this prestige and everything to them, you you do whatever you want. You can pretend that you don't care. But no, nah, you're, you're right. We They need to answer these questions. And we know Cloud9 is capable of it, but... This, I mean, this Ray thing really backfired, and I think that they held on to Sneaky a little bit too long, and I think that the pieces, as they are currently assembled, there is not a happy ending for them. Uh, and, and that's why you lose 3-1 to a team like Dignitas, who do have pieces that fit together in a puzzle and create a system, which is such a weird thing to say, given what we know about Dignitas, just historically. That's... We're going to move on before my head breaks, but let, let's talk about Envious. Um, Envious is the other team that lost this week. A team that we expected to lose. I don't think that we were shocked by the result. I but was. Got there I thought they were going to get blown out of the building. Of course we oh did. Look at that. In the last three weeks. They were terrible. They went one in five wow. in the last weeks. They've, they've got something special there. I, I just, I just, they are, they are a top laner and I think like another split. Like a good a good split with like Licorice as their top laner, away from being a really damn good team, and maybe not. Maybe it all falls apart. Maybe Niski takes a step back. Maybe this was an aberration from Apollo and Hakuo. But in all honesty, like this team is this team could be dangerous if they can just get a fifth player. Like I'm gonna be I'm gonna be that cruel. Is that Seraph? He has his games. He has his moments where you're like, there we go. There's there's a good play from him, or, or he does his job. Like he gets a, you know he gets away with it. Um, but it's like DeAndre Jordan. Like he can't hit free throws. You can't have him in at the end of the game. Like there's a huge hole in his game, and it's like you know instead of DeAndre Jordan not making able to make free throws, it's like ninety percent of Sarah's game is this big hole. Like think about how good this team would have been if they had expect. You know, I keep saying over in Europe, expect is what we wanted Seraph to turn into. What did this team had expect? Like, think about how good this team would have been because that was the big weakness that CLG exploited in the entire series. Well, not the entire series. In the first game and the last game, when they finally woke up again, it was like, oh yeah, Seraph is bad at League of Legends. What if we just try to get Darshan a winning matchup and go from there? And then they're like, oh yeah, look at that. That works. How, how oh, did it weird. take five games to figure that out? How long was it until well, they did it in game one? They didn't. They did it in game one. They did do it in game one, and then they forgot yes. about it for three games. Yeah, that's fair. I, I mean, they really went after it in game five, and the yeah. game was so much smoother for them when they did. I, I was screaming at my computer for games two through four, trying to figure out what in the I world was their laughing. plan. I was laughing hysterically <laughs> because it would have been. It would have been. Just it would have been awful karma for me to watch both Cloud9 and CLG go down in the quarterfinals as a TSM fan, because yeah. then there's like a there's like you know a large chance that crap there's gonna be a new champion and it's not gonna be TSM Cloud9 or CLG like it would I would have been scared and I'm still kind of nervous like this is this is this is an interesting semifinal setup. 
Yeah. Like, we'll we'll yeah. get to the semis in a second. I do want to ask you real quick yeah. about Niski. Okay. Now, I, I don't want to use playoff performance to justify regular season awards, but I did have Niski as my rookie of the split for a reason. And even with that, I was blown away by how he performed in this series. Like, what what changed that that got him to that level from being like a good, consistent mid laner for them to being this guy that was just this force of nature on the Galio and on the Corky in particular? Well, I'm gonna put it this way: I don't think CLG like went after him. I really think they kind of like took a step back, and and Huni was not the who he was not the primary carry in this regard. They, he was more of like, they were putting him in like the keen role of like, we're just gonna put you on something you're comfortable with. You don't have to hard carry, but if you can make like one or two plays a game, that'll be fine. And they really tried to more focus on the, like making sure Omar God was comfortable. And and I, I really don't know what CLG's plan was. Cause it just didn't feel like they were focused on making anyone like other than Omar God comfortable. And like putting them in good late, like this was one of the worst series I've seen out of Zix. If I can be brutally honest, yeah, this was an awful series from CLG's coach. And I w- I'd rather focus on on Envious, but like I just think it was Envious had him in good in in good matchups and good positions, and Envious knew they were the the worst team in the playoffs. They they had no pressure on them. They knew like, yeah, like maybe we play in the gauntlet. There's a chance we make it to Worlds. Like, I think they just played really loose. Um, and, and they just said, we have nothing to lose. So let's go out there. Let's play our game. Let's have some fun. Let's make sure that we're in matchups. You know, have a good draft and, and go from there. And it showed because you could tell that the pressure was on CLG in game four. You could, you could really just kind of see it on their faces, see it in their playmaking, that CLG was kind of feeling like, we shouldn't be in a game. We should be cleaning up in game four and like getting ready to go face Immortals. Like, we shouldn't have to play a game five. We shouldn't have to. You know, we shouldn't have to play a game five. It's like when a one versus eight city happens in the NBA playoffs. Like, Cleveland should never go to five games against Orlando or against Miami. Like, it just shouldn't happen. They should get them done in three, at the most four, because they win one game at home and. Envious really took it to him, and it showed how how weak CLG could be. So it sounds like you're looking at this less as Envious taking a step forward and more as CLG taking a step back. That's what I'm hearing I, I, from I, you. I do so, think Envious took a step. Like I, I don't want to. I don't want to dismiss what Envious did. I don't want to dismiss what they did because they played really, really well. And that's why I'm trying to front load all the praise of like they're a top laner away from being a really, really good team and a really dangerous team as long as there's not regression from, from some of these players that, let's be frank, like, Apollo's never really been this, like, superstar all-star carry. And and now he's kind of showing it, and I'm, I'm just, I'm going to be afraid in my preseason episode about Envious that Apollo takes a step back. It's okay. Like, you know why? He's not the carry in the bot lane. Hakuo I know, is Hakuo. the carry in the bot lane. Hakuo and was my, snubbed. My, my love for Hakuo cannot be any higher. I put him first team for a reason. I just love watching him play. Like, I understand there was some limitation, and there is an argument to be made that Envious locked themselves in to a certain extent by playing only champions in which Hakuo had hook skill shots. Like, the Nautilus, you can argue, was maybe not ideal. But, that, but that's a classic Hakuo pick. Like, that's a, it's a, that's classic. a classic Hakuo pick. And he played it well. He looked awesome this whole series. Yeah. Like, I think the winners, if you were to make a list for Envious, I think 
Niski is the biggest winner because I think he elevated himself in terms of what tier people are going to put him in for 2018. I think he has established that he is an LCS. He's not in like we look to upgrade this position in the offseason. It's like, okay, maybe we give this kid another split. Yeah, he's he's getting an LCS spot. It would be criminal after what he did there to not look at this guy as a as a real player. Yeah. He he's he's a guy that's gonna grow, I think, over time, and I can't wait to see how that goes. But I think Hako has to be the second winner because it really felt like this was a series in which I think everybody wants up Sarah off. It just we kept going from like, oh my god, I can't believe he hit that skill shot, like over and over and over and over again. I I mean it's just fun. I do we are, are we a little worried about the fact that Lyra looked kind of mediocre this whole series? No, because I I think I think Envious wasn't relying on him to carry, and I think he is a hard carry player at his core, and he kind of was realizing like this isn't really the meta for me to hard carry. I'm not all that comfortable on just being like the initiator and peel. Like I'm not worried about him because I've. Meta is secular. We'll have, you know, in the spring split playoffs, it'll be back to, like, Nidalee and Leeson and Graves, and he'll be 12-1-17 in a game against the, you know, L.A. Cosmonauts or something stupid like that, and, you know, <laughs> go off and be like, oh, yeah, why are we worried about Lyra? Like, I, I think he hasn't played on a team where he's had guys step up and be like, no, I got this Lyra don't worry about it like let's look look at the spring like he pretty much had to carry that team on his own look at him back in korea he really was like carrying teams on his own and now he had you know this young european mid laner that's like no don't worry about this i got you you have this you know journeyman kind of 80 carry this support that has kind of got this tainted reputation for being the guy that replaced Romilia on renegades and like they all said don't worry fam let us take care of it and he kind of yeah. he kind of like stood back and was like oh Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, I, I mean, what do you need me to do? So I, I, I'm very... I, I don't want to take anything away from Envious because they played amazingly. Um, I'm very, very intrigued by them next spring. And do they make the changes that they need to make? Do they overstep and make too many changes? Do they just run it back because they, they got to the playoffs and they, they played so well? Like I'm very curious to see what Astro and, and the rest of the Envious organization does here. Because this could be a really intriguing team coming into next spring. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I will say, I understand that Lyra is not a carry in this particular meta, mm-hmm. but you're playing Omar God. Like I just, I expect a little bit more. It's okay. Like, it's, At least it's, he didn't play Nocturne. That's 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 true. He does have that going for him. Uh, do we want to spend 15 seconds on the fact that FlyQuest is going to be in the gauntlet and Envious won't because of? CLG throwing away that series in the spring split? I don't. I don't. <laughs> okay, cool. I don't. I don't because it, it'll, it'll lead me down a profanity-laced uh, rant that I don't want to edit. So that's, that's fair. We'll, we'll save future Walter some editing time then. Uh, you don't can worry, just... we'll have the entire gauntlet episode where I'll just be cussing about FlyQuest being in this gauntlet because, you know, for reasons that, yeah, they earned their spot. I freaking guess. Sure. Yeah, Earn. sure. It's fine. We're going to move on to games that are actually happening this week. And that first semifinals matchup on Saturday, Immortals versus Counter Logic Gaming. Now, you touched on this a bit. You mentioned you thought that this was Zix's worst series as a coach. What specifically did you look at outside of just 
you know, you mentioned that, you know, Omar God, they had to put on comfort champs, but the rest didn't feel that way. Like, wh what do you think they were trying to do that went so wrong here? I mean, like, going back and, like, looking at their drafts, like, they were just trying to build, I guess, siege compositions? Mm hmm Which, I guess, like, yeah, Chasana's pretty good at that. Hui's champion pool, Velkaz, Victor... I think that, that that that's what they were building. They were just building like let's just push, 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 and Envious is like, okay, we just want to fight, 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 and like Jinx and Tristana are not the best team fighters. Like they have the reset mechanic, which can which can snowball a team fight if it gets out of control, but they aren't the best team fighters. They 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 really aren't. They can be very fragile and they can get exposed. And you have all like immobile mages with emo like semi immobile eighty carries. I get I guess Tristana has the, the leap, but she still feels kind of immobile because you don't want to use the leap in the middle of a team fight. You want to use it to like chase down a kill. You don't want to use it to to escape from a from a trundle from a seraph trundle or something like that. You want to use it to to get the reset and keep going and, and snowball from there. It's kind of like Kogma. Like the more that you're moving around, the less your DPS is. And it just felt like Envious was just like, all right, you guys can set up sieges, but we're just going to run at you. Like, if there's one thing that Seraph is good at, it's he's good at flanking. Like, and they could be awful, like, awfully timed flanks, but that dude finds an opportunity to flank, and he takes it. He's like, I don't yeah. care if I'm running into five, five members of the enemy team. I'm going to flank you. I don't care if I'm running into one member of the enemy team. I'm going to flank you. That's all he does is he split pushes, and he flanks, and he pushes up lanes as Rumble. That is the three things that Seraph does in his career. And when you build a siege composition, it's that blatantly a siege composition when you're picking Jinx and Victor or, you know, Tristana and Velkaz and you're maxing W just to wave clear. Like, it, 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 you're telegraphing your strategy. And that's the only thing that they brought other than the first and, and last game where they're like, all right, we're also going to put Darshan on this kind of split push threat because he's better than Seraph. And we only realized this two out of five games. And that's why this was a five-game series. Yeah. I just... I I didn't. I, this was so one note. It was so one note out of CLG, and they're not a one note team. I, I mean, they were. They were a one note like team fighting team, but they did it in interesting ways. And like in game, in game four, why didn't you just bust out the Aurelian Soul? Or 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 maybe it was banned. Maybe I need to double check that. But like, go. Uh, it was banned. Okay, it was yeah, banned so in the second round of bans. Okay, they, so it's banned in the second round of bans. But like that's something that you're comfortable first picking for Hui. Like that is something that you you could pick at that you know that third pick and you could feel comfortable with it. And I doubt that Niski has a lot of experience with it. Like they just it was extremely safe. It was extremely we only prepared one strategy for this team because we think this is the best strategy against it. And it was uninspired. It was really uninspired from a guy that I think is pretty innovative out of the North American side and I think is a really strong coach. It's just boring and unimaginative uh, from, from you know someone that I, I really respect as a coach. And honestly, I think on par since coaching really became a thing has probably been the best coach in North America you know, for a very long extended period of time. So I, just, I was yeah. just really disappointed that in two out of five games, they kind of looked at their clipboard and said, Oh yeah, it's Darshan versus Seraph. Maybe we should exploit that. And it was only two out of their five games. So right. I, I I don't know. I don't know. I was just I I expected more from CLG. 
I really expected more from CLG, and they just didn't show up. They played down to the level of their competition. And Envy has played up, but still. I had... I, 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 if I, when I'm trying to wrap my head around it, right, I, I think clearly CLG believed that they were going to be better at map rotations, that Envious could not keep up with the macro, and so they were going to have enough time to push these lanes, and they were just going to squeeze them out, and they weren't going to have to fight, which tells me when you combine that with the fact that they first picked their jungler in every game, I don't think they have any faith in Omar God. I think that this is something where they, you know, they dropped, uh, they, they dropped, dropped Ardok because they thought that this was, you know, it was going to be better for morale. It was going to be this, you know, they were going to be able to adjust accordingly and get someone who's more of a team player. And they're realizing that his champion pool is very shallow and he's not that great at it. And if you're a team fighting team and your jungler doesn't know how to initiate effectively, that's a huge flaw. And so they went for compositions in which they weren't going to do that. And, you know, we like Styx A a lot. Styx is a great player. I think that he can split push effectively. We all know that Darshan, formerly Zion Spartan back when he was the split pusher, like, we know they can do it. And so I, I'm not surprised that they necessarily went that path. I do think it is criminal that it took them, you know, over those five games that they just didn't attack Seraph every game. That just seems like something I would have done. I think it's a huge problem that like, even when Omar God did first pick, like, the Zac, it went really poorly. I don't think his Zac was very good. I, I think that's a concern, and I think it's a concern that, you know, with, with Huhi, they, they just didn't allow him, I think, to be the carry that he's very capable of. Yeah, they put of. him under wave clear, just like, okay, play Victor and Velkaz. Like, why? Why, God, why, like, uh, it's not like he's played bad, like, he's played well all season. And here's one of those rare, Chase, you're the host, but I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you feel like Stixay has just been, like, massively kind of forgotten about this split? Not by the fans and everything, but I just mean, like, even by CLG, where it's kind of just been, like, He's there, but he's not. He's the to me. He's the star on this team. He's he's the guy that has consistently over the past like year and a half been the best player on this team. And it just it, it felt like a Han Sama situation where he's kind of just like he just is there, and they aren't trying to like accentuate his his strengths. I'll answer that question this way: uh, Stixe has twenty one four point one percent of his team's gold. Uh, Huhi twenty four point six. So they are purposely giving Huhi a larger portion of their resources than Stixay, when I believe that Stixay is the more consistent carry and a carry that you get more efficiency out of than Huhi as a whole. And I don't want to take away from Huhi. I thought he had a great yeah, split. I gave him an all-pro spot yeah, for a great. reason. He's a, he got a very yeah, strong season. But it does feel like they have shifted a little bit away from him being this team fight like, we are going to let him be the god that cleans everything up, and we're going to put him on these lane bullies and just try to, you know, pick apart Apollo. And maybe, like, this is where, like, maybe he yeah, just Yeah, but they felt didn't like pick Akuo... apart Apollo. Apollo and Hakuo crushed them! Right, but maybe they, they they looked into this game and they're like, we're not going to be able to crush Hakuo, because we know that Hakuo is one of the best landing supports, if not the best landing support in the West, and so let's not go into that matchup, and let's instead focus on this split pushing. Let's instead focus on this greater macro play. And 
I'm not like I understand why they might come to that conclusion, but they came so close to blowing this series. Like we let let's remember that in game four, they were dead to rights. They were behind by so much gold. And they ended up winning that series. They ended up winning that map, mostly because Envious drafted a composition that had no damage. No damage on that. You had a Cho'Gath, you had Galio, you had Varus. You had no damage. They had Rek'Sai as your jungler. Like, that is, in, in my opinion, that was the draft that killed Envious. Because I think in every other way, they, had, they executed in Game 4 better than CLG did. And I thought that they were the better team in that game, but they had that big fight around Baron and they just couldn't kill anybody. And they lost that game. And I think that game five backs against the wall. I just don't think that Envious had that last year. But this could and should have been a 3-1 for Envious. And CLG should be terrified of that. Because either it means they're not as prepared as you and I think they are and they're in trouble, or this was indeed their plan and it almost backfired horrendously and I'm not sure which is worse. And now they're against I, Immortals who's like a better now, version now of Envious. Them. Yeah, can, can we like talk about... Because you have not been a huge Immortals guy on this pod. We've had this conversation. You're underwhelmed yeah, I'm, I'm is the still, word I would... Are you feeling better about them now? Has have they? Do you do you think that your that immortals have done enough that you think they can just take care of business here, or do you think that it's going to depend on what CLG brings to the table? I, I think it's a combination of that CLG looked awful against Envious, and that going back and watching um, film on immortals, like I do feel a little bit better about them. It's because outside of Ollie, they aren't flashy. I think that's part of it, is just they aren't flashy. Like, Paul Belter and Cody, Cody Sung are not flashy players. Uh, Flame is not playing, like, Fiora or, like, Akali. And, like, I remember Season 2 Flame where he was just murdering Dyrus over and over and over again. And just, like, he's he's a very strong laner, but now it's now it's the boring, you know... Uh, you know, Carl Malone is doing his, you know, two dribbles into the paint, his one head fake to the left, and then puts up, you know, a layup on the right side of the board. There's nothing that's wrong a, with that. It gets that's the a job thing, done. Though. Let's not forget how many highlight clips he had on that Renekton in the first half yeah. of the split. And, and, like, and that's the MVP talk. He yeah. was being that guy. Yeah, no, 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 no. That, that's, that's fair. And just like, it, it, just towards the end of the split, it's, 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 I don't want to compare it to Fnatic or to H2K because it's not colored by the numbers with Immortals. I think there are more nuances to their games. Um, but it is. It's just this like very kind of reliable, this is how this Immortals roster is going to play the game. And it, it just doesn't have doesn't have the flash. It doesn't have the panache. And I don't think like Dignitas has very much panache either other than Nunu. Like getting pulled out, which it's like there's there's more like pizzazz there. I think Immortals are a very very strong team. I think they cover up the flaws that they have pretty well, um, just by just kind of by sheer force of will. I think Xmithy and Ale die a little bit too much. Chase, I know that's kind of your your big thing. Is like let me look at the deaths, and they're kind I, of like. I am concerned. I have concerns about the death counts. So. But at the end of the day, I'm looking at them against CLG. CLG, a, a, a roster that's changed their jungler to someone that I think is less mechanically skilled, even if maybe he fits the morale of the team better, that is a rookie, doesn't have very much stage-slash-playoff experience, and going against a guy who 
if you look at Xmithy, like this is perfect for Xmithy. Like I don't have to be a carry. I can just be an initiator and a and a ganker and a team fight kind of guy for my team. Like we're this Immortals roster just feels like a CLG roster from a year and a half ago. Like that's exactly what they're going for. Is like let's just be the big late game kind of team fight team. Let's play consistent. Let's roam around the map. Let's focus on objectives. And everything I've seen out of CLG the past four weeks tells me that they aren't equipped to fight against that team. And you can't just say, hey, let's put Darshan on Nar and he's going to go beat up on Flame. I tell you what, that's not going to happen. That's go ahead just and try not going to happen. If you'd like. Like, so, feel free. So, like, the thing that had them beat Envious was this glaring weakness of them going, Seraph is bad, Darshan is good. They don't have that against Immortals. So what, they're just going to bank on Exmithy and Ale just get caught out at really bad times and die? And, like, it's possible, but isn't it more likely that Immortals are just going to keep catching Omar God and Aphromu and murder them? Like, isn't that just more likely to happen when they've been more consistent? I mean, I certainly would find it a concern if I wasn't an, an Immortals fan. As an Immortals fan, I'm having a lovely time. Of course but... you are. I, these are the numbers I, I was going back through, and I wanted to find the stats that would illustrate what I think is going to be the difference maker here. Because if you look at how these teams play just from a, a team fighting standpoint, you look at very similar, you know, dragon numbers. But the three stats that I think really illustrate it combined kills per minute. 0.78 for CLG, 0.77 for Immortals. That's first and second in the league. They mm-hmm. play bloody games. Yeah. Uh, you look at the kill-death ratio, Immortals at 1.26, CLG at 1.24. Again, this is the whole team, not just the Omar God era. Right. But still, they're second and third in that regard. Only Cloud9 was better. So, bloody games, more kills than deaths, but Immortals were second in the league with a 58.1 early game rating. CLG were 7th with 46.5. And that is the massive problem for me. Because if both teams are known for their team fighting, except CLG hasn't been as good at it ever since Omar God came in, and both teams are used to bloody games, but CLG hasn't had the same comeback mechanic since Omar God came in, and one of these teams is that much better in the first 15 minutes? That strikes me as a concern. As a CLG fan, I would be concerned. As an Immortals fan, my, look, as an Immortals fan, my only concern is that I have so few concerns right now. Like, that can't be right. It can't be this easy. It never is. I'm a fan of the team. So something's <laughs> going to go wrong. Right. I just don't know what right uh, what it's going to be yet. So I'll tell you what's going to go. I, I'm going to tell you what's going to go on. Chase, you're rooting for this team. I know. That's the, that's the be-all, end-all. <laughs> I, I, it's a concern. And I have taken it into account. Where do you think the line should be, Walter? Do you think Unicorn took it into account? I, I hope they did. Uh, I have Immortals at minus 200. You get this one. I This is, this is a concern for me. Uh, I said Immortals minus 175. It is Immortals minus 192. So you get the square. Uh, some smart money potential bets. Uh, minus one and a half is plus 115 for Immortals. There is no plus odd for CLG that's going to get any value. Five maps is plus 175. I think we're, one of those has got to be what we're going to end up doing for that series. But uh, we'll I feel better about, about five maps if CLG had played better in the quarters. Yeah, it really... they 
if you're a CLG fan, they gave you nothing in the quarters that tells you that they're going to be ready for how this Saturday series is going to go. But we're going to talk about Sunday's series now, which is Team Solo Mid versus Dignitas. Either way it goes, I win, Chase. Either way it goes, I win. I don't believe you, but let's start with the team that you'd be second happiest to see win here. Dignitas. Oh, Dignitas. Because we talked a lot about Clyde but I don't think we talked about what made Dignitas so effective in that series. What do you think made this team come together that, you know, really felt like a project that they've been building towards for the entirety of the split? Their team. At, at the end of the day, the way this roster runs, the way it's constructed is it it makes up for the weaknesses of each individual player on the team. Keen is not a primary carry. When you put that much pressure on him, he tends to fail. Okay, that's fine. Let us take the pressure off him early. Let's make him just be something that he's good at, which is just hold the wave, you know, push the wave back. If you get that advantage in the laning phase where you, you have that time to go roam, go roam. But if not, just stay in the wave. You're fine. Someday has been... Uh, the constant pressure is being brought to him because he's the star on that team. Okay, let's put you know pick more pr high pressure pushing lanes in our mid and our our bottom lane so the jungler can't just camp on top. Let's have it so we have a more aggressive early game jungler that's willing to make plays, that's willing to invade the en en enemy jungle, that's willing to punish someone who's like I'm just gonna camp someday because that's Dignitas's only win condition. Shrimp, great early game. Um, invades has kind of a funky champion pool. All right, let's build into that. Let's pick him, Nunu. He wants to play Nocturne? Let's pick him, Nocturne. Let's put him in a place to succeed and basically just tell him in the late game, you know, let your carries do the work. Do things to to enhance the carries around you, whether it's being a primary initiator, whether it's making sure you're just blood-boiling Adrian. Um, Adrian, if there's a winner from this Dignitas team from that series, it's it, it, it's all tech. I didn't mean Adrian. I meant all tech. Because... Yeah. I have never, ever in my life seen Alltech flash into the enemy team before. And there were like six, seven, eight, nine, ten times in that series against Cloud9 where they start a team fight and you just see Alltech flash on top of Sneaky and Jensen as, as like Twitch and just go, hi, and just <laughs> unload. And every time he does it, I was watching on, on uh, watching with fans in Discord. You guys know it. I'm going, all tech, oh my god! Oh my god, all tech! <laughs> and you guys were watching on YouTube. I'm watching on Twitch, so I'm 10 seconds ahead. And then you're like, oh, now we get it now. I've <laughs> never, ever seen all tech be like that. And it's because he trusts his teammates. He trusts the guys around him to keep him safe, to disrupt the team fight enough that he can feel confident enough to do it. I think a lot of that has to do with Adrian. Adrian is the ultimate... Uh, we have an AD carry that's kind of down on his luck. Let's give him to Adrian, and Adrian's going to get him back into peak form. Adrian's going to be a, 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 a dose of, of self-esteem-boosting energy and Jono one-trick play. And I swear to God, if anyone, including myself, ever calls Adrian a one-trick player or a Soraka, just a Soraka Jana player or anything like that, they need to take that thought and, and swallow it because that is just not true. He has shown a versatility and a flexibility over, I'd say, the last six weeks that just 
I mean, we. I, I know he can play other champions. I know he can play Alistar. I know he can play Leona. I know he can play the John and the Soraka, the Karma, all these kind of champions. But, like, what we've seen out of him since he got to Dignitas and since they paired him up with Alltech has just been revitalizing. And if there was, like, a comeback player of the split award, it'd be it'd be Adrian or Alltech this split. Like, they'd be splitting the vote down to, like, you know, the last vote of who decides it. They were fantastic. And Dignitas finally found a bot lane that worked. They finally got it, and they finally matched it up with this core. And this is a the difference between them and Cloud9 and what made them the winner at the end of that series was there's no I in Jensen, but there's a team and team, and there's a team and team Dignitas. And and that's what happened. They were the better team for all for all four of those games. I truly think that, that game three was just that they picked Nocturne, and it just they didn't play Nocturne correctly because Shrimp, buddy... Nocturne's not a tank. Like, he, he's he's not. He, he doesn't lock up the enemy AD carry in, in like, a, a circle like Jarvan does and force them to blow Flash. Like, you just kind of jump on him and you spook him, and they go, ah, dead. So, uh, so yeah, if you're going to play Nocturne, you have to play him as, like, I'm going to blow up one of your, your squishy carries, and then I'm going to die because that's what happens, because I'm playing Nocturne. I'm playing an assassin. Uh, but like other than that, they were just the better team, and it has been a joy to watch them since like even like week seven of last season when they made their run into the playoffs. Like they've just been a joy to watch. Yeah, no, I, this has been fun. It's a fun team to watch, and it doesn't mean that they're a perfect team. Oh, absolutely. I not. think the one thing that I'm terrified about for them to go up against TSM is a twenty-five percent for first three towers rate. Cloud9 was out-rotating them, even as Dignitas was winning all these early games. Uh, and their lane efficiency was rough. 47.4% compared to Cloud9's 52.6. They were making mistakes, but they were working so well as a team that when that mid-to-late game rolled around, when they had finally gotten going, when they had these moments where they could pick fights, they did so cohesively. I thought their target selection was awesome. I thought that they really understood how to pick apart the composition that Cloud9 did. And Keen and Alltech were always separate. They were always away. From, they were on the other side of like Dignitas' clumps in every single team fight. And whichever person Cloud9 went on, the other one punished them. And nine times out of ten, they went after Keen and kind of dared Alltech to be the one to punish him, and, and, and they really did. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you like that, but that was just one of those things that I noticed. Every single team fight, they were on the opposite sides of the team fight. And, and it forced, you know, Impact and, and Contracts to go after one of them, and then the other one just cleaned up the carries. It's yeah. It's it's really nice when that, um, when that works out. Now, unfortunately, TSM is in the other corner of this. As, as much as I'd love to just stay excited about all of these Dignitas things and look how they made up for it in all these other areas and look what they're capable of when they work as a team, um, they're going against, up against a team that has been a team and knows how to work as a team for over a year now. Um, so, Walter, as a TSM fan, let's start with the fan. What do you expect to see from this series? Holy God, we dodged a bullet. Holy God, we dodged a bullet. Holy God, we dodged a bullet. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. Thank you. Thank you for no Jensen Revenge game. Thank you, God. Um, thank you so much. I don't know what we did to deserve this. Um, we are the worst fans in League of Legends because we are 
arrogant and cocky little people. And uh, But thank you so much for not having to have us. Uh, and as fans, we should be thankful we don't have to listen to this whole Jensen Bjergsen, oh, but if he hit his arm, what would have happened in the spring in the spring finals? Like, I'm glad we don't have to hear that narrative. It's awesome. Let's move on. Um, as, a, as a fan, like, okay. Like, I think we can beat Dignitas. At the end of the day, I think that our, our players are, I think our bot lane is stronger than their bot lane. I think our mid laner is stronger than their mid laner. Top and jungle is, I think jungle's kind of a wash because Shrimp can have some really bad moments and can have some good moments. Fenskaren can have some bad moments. Can have some good moments. Um, Someday versus Haunter scares me a little, but if there is one thing that TSM has proven time and time again is that when they have the time to prepare, they're nearly unbeatable in best of five series. When they do, when you don't catch them off guard, which Dignitas hasn't shown really a propensity to do anything bizarre, I think this split. Um, maybe we get like a Camille or Fiora top lane pick out of like someday that could be bizarre. I think they kind of tipped their hand by playing Nunu and Nocturne, but they needed to because they had to beat Cloud Nine to get to this position. Like, I don't know what Dignitas can pull out of their bag of tricks, other than it's keen. And they bait Bjergsen into, like, Talia, and Keen has some weird, like, Talia counterpick or some weird Syndra counterpick or something. I don't know. Um, but at the end of the day, it's TSM is the best team in North America and has been the best team in North America and has been to nine North American LCS finals in nine tries because they have the better players and they have the better, you know, support staff and they are extremely well prepared. And I think that's from top down. I think Reggie loves this time of year and he enjoys going into that team room, listening to the coaches, pointing out things that he wants. Like there is no way that he is not sitting back in that coach's area that they're going to flash 30,000 times on screen and he's not sitting there and he's telling Parth his opinions. Like Reggie's kind of hit like the Jerry Jones level of owner. Where if he could physically being stand like if he could physically stand on stage and just kind of hover over behind his players and and them not know he's there but he could just kind of like oversee everything I think he would and yeah I, we've got history on our side they haven't missed an LCS final and it's jinxing and it's jinxing and it's jinxing and like Dignitas could be the team that does it because they are such a good team. But it's the early game that Dignitas really does kind of struggle with. And if you can't catch TSM off guard with like this Nunu pick, I think TSM's a better early game team. They're just as good as playing the just like hard push, you know, we're going to apply pressure all over the map to take pressure off of Double Lift or to take pressure off of Bjergsen or to take pressure off of Hauntzer. Like they're just as good at it and they've been doing it longer. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, this is going to be a good series. Like, surprise. This is either going to be a really good series or Dignitas. Dignitas ex- exploded <laughs> too early and it's going to be just a quick 3 0. Like, I, I don't really want don't that want to happen. This to be a letdown series. I don't want I really it to be don't. a letdown series. But it like, feels like it's I kind of want it to be a letdown series so TSM just strolls into Boston and it's like, yeah, we're good, guys. Yeah. I feel like if it, you look but... at TSM's strengths, um, 
only Immortals really matches them tit for tat in that regard, mm-hmm. which is why I, I, I have to say, as much as I hate it, I'm just waiting for TSM to announce their deal with Ty Dillinger because they're about to make it a perfect 10. That's about to happen. And I, <laughs> I'm not happy with it. I'm not proud of it or the joke I just made, but it's there. That's just how this goes. And I don't see the, you know, there's not a single position in which you're like, oh yeah, Dignitas can just outplay at that spot. And there's not mm. the same level of team chemistry. I, someday over, Hanser should be a thing. Yeah, I that, think Hanser, that's what I was going to say. Is like, Hanser has, has played okay this split, but he hasn't played as yeah. well as someday this split. I was, I've been underwhelmed by Hanser this split. But, I, but in every other way. And, and we know that TSM knows how to alleviate pressure from Hanser. He's at least not hemorrhaging in the way that like a Seraph is, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just very hard to imagine that Dignitas out-team fights the signature organization that has Bjergsen and Double Lift, and I, I'm feeling sick to my stomach already. I, I hate it. It, it hurts. Let's just give me the odds, Walter. Well, Let's just before I get line. to the odds, Chase. Oh no. There's a reason I'm the Guest Alliance World Heavyweight Champion, and there's a reason I'm a heel. It's because I'm a dick. And I just want to remind you something. Karma be damned. There is a chance that this is the 10th split, split anniversary of the last time that TSM took on a lovable favorite underdog of Chase's. Let's just, let's just think back. Technically, it's the ninth, it would be the ninth anniversary because that was number one, and this is the 10th Oh, split. shut up, Blompier. Ma- shut up, Blompier. Shut up, Blompier. That's Blampier. hard for TSM fans, I'm sure. Shut like up, it's Blampier. No, 10th. This is the tent. I'm keeping with that theme. I just want to say, you know, good good luck to the TSM fan team. I really hope that your mid laner and your jungler are talking to each other right now. I have TSM at minus 333. First of all, how dare you? Second I will absolutely all, how dare you? And third of all, how dare you? And I'm stalling for time because I hate to admit that I also went minus 333. Which means that we split the point, which means that you win the week, because that's the danger of these two t- uh, two series weeks. It's all, you know, you get the one. It's not quite as bad as next week where it'll be all or nothing, but it's it's just about there. I I had it in minus 333. It is TSM minus 238. Criminal. Criminal. TSM had some losses this season. They actually have lost to Dignitas this season twice. That is the one thing that we did not touch upon, is that Dignitas is 4 I don't know what you're talking about. 2-2-1 two, two, victories over TSM. I have no idea what you're talking about. I, it's just, let the record show no that they are entering this week as underdogs. But, as, as having not been the underdogs in Dignitas before. So I think that's why the line is where it is. Uh, unfortunately, it kills value for us in several different ways uh tsm minus one and a half is only minus 105 uh five maps is plus 175 i'm gonna throw this out there we don't usually do too many minus odds but dignitas plus one and a half at minus 125 it's a 3-2 for dignitas wins there any dignitas series victory which need i remind you dignitas has won both regular season series now pause i want to put a pause there because, Chase, 
teams that have beaten TSM both times in the regular season, like Cloud9 usually did kind of like season four, uh, don't fare very well against Look, TSM in the playoffs. I no just want to fares very well if we out. TSM historically. You've like by definition, by the fact that you've reached all of the finals, you've won more series than you've lost. <laughs> Congratulations. Nine. Nine. Let's get into smart money bets. What are our picks? We have to pick two of them because these are the rules and I've lost control of your trash talking whatever, but I will keep to that. We have rules, there's a structure in place. I believe in this. What are our two smart money bets? Uh, you went 0-2 last week, by the way. Um, I just want to point out that Listen, last neither week was, of your picks came through. Last week was wacky. I, I don't yes. feel good about it. Last week was really wacky. Uh, so I'm going to take Immortals at minus 192 to win their series because I'm not doing well in the playoffs. So I'm going to pick that one. And I'm going to pick Dignitas at plus 175. Uh, no. Um, Immortals <laughs> at minus one and a half. Uh, the Immortals minus one and a half and plus 115. I think that's yeah. kind of a no-brainer to me. Um, the only way Dignitas wins the series if it, is if it goes to five games. They don't win 3-1. TSM doesn't lose 3-1. I agree with that. They don't lose 3-1. So we it's should just take games. five maps. Then. I would just take five maps, and it's me hedging my bets because if it goes to five maps and Dignitas wins, I make money. And if it doesn't go to five maps, TSM wins. So I like it. Look, like yeah, it. those are two smart money bets. Immortals minus one and a half, plus 115 over Dignitas. Five maps for TSM and Dignitas going to... Uh, plus 175. I think I said Dignitas instead of CLG for the Immortal series. But you all knew what I meant. I wish, I see, hope... I wish Dignitas was playing twice. I, you're not wrong. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Certainly we enjoyed recording it. If you want to talk to us about anything that we said today, there is that lovely comment section underneath the video. I do try to respond to everybody who comments there. Uh, and of course, you can join us on our lovely Discord. We keep telling you guys about it. We do these VOD reviews that we love to do. We organize them together. It's not like there are YouTube clips that we hide secretly from you all. We watch games with you. You get our impressions of what's going on live. And sure. if you want to see what it's like to be like, hang out with an analyst and a former coach, you know, we can do that. That's our thing. Um, only former coach for me, but you know, still, it's a fun, it's a fun time. One day, Walter. I've been a coach, coach before. Uh, of what team? Cognitive. It's season three. You were the head coach of Cognitive? No, I wasn't a head coach. No, I was oh, like, okay. this isn't coach analyst. No, season three. Coaching was kind of like a, you know. Yeah, I was going to say. It was a murky look, word. I, I was in a wild card region, so I'm not going to try to take too much. I can't tear your accomplishments down and boost mine at the Listen, same time. Listen, I've played against think. former professional players in an ESL Gold for Lull tournament before. I smite stole away from Captain Ziploc. Get off my lawn. Man, Captain Ziploc. Shout out to the two people listening to this podcast who know who that is. Uh, you can find me on social media at RedshirtKing. Uh, if you want to talk to me about anything specifically I said today, Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? You guys can find me at Sadie's underscore LOL. And yes, I have tried to check my ESL account to see if I could find any record of any of that happening. And it doesn't exist anymore. So well, I'm sorry, Cloud9 fans. I'm sorry. I could have been meaner. I'll put it that way. I could have been much meaner to you guys today, but I kind of, I kind of held back. I'm in a good mood today. 
that is an interesting takeaway. This is, there's nothing quite like, hey, you can't be mad at me because I could have been much worse. That is an interesting tactic to have. But you know what? We'll talk about, we don't have to worry about Cloud9 for a couple more weeks. Well, we will be back for the finals for both North America and Europe next week. We have two more podcasts in that regard. Uh, the gauntlet's going to be a little bit weird because I think it's all in one week, right? I believe they spread out all the games so in that kind of condensed period of time so that we have that break in between worlds. So we'll have to figure out how to cover that. We'll talk to you more about that next week. But just know, just like always, North American Europe coming. Guess the lines episodes. I've got to start closing the gap. So let's see if I can pull that off. Four chances to earn two points to tie it. We'll see how things go. Until next time. Goodbye, Internet. You can follow the Rough Drafts podcast on all your favorite social media sites. Twitter at Rough Drafts Pod, Facebook.com backslash Rough Drafts Pod, SoundCloud.com backslash Esports Rough Drafts, YouTube.com backslash Rough Drafts Podcast, as well as on iTunes by searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. The Rough Drafts Podcast is supported by our lovely Patreons at Patreon.com backslash Rough Drafts Pod and by viewers like you. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.